I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Today we're talking about Atom Learning with co-founder Alex Hatvani. Atom Learning is the UK's largest edtech platform for Key Stage 2 children. While working as a tutor whilst at university, Alex and his co-founder Jake saw how extra tuition was unregulated and often only accessible to children from higher income families. Frustrated, he and Jake resolved to build a platform to help primary school children from all backgrounds prepare for entrance exams at top tier schools with personalised support. Using AI, Atom creates gamified exercises tailored to each child's level and learning style and offers 90,000 teacher-written questions. All primary schools can access Atom Prime for free, and Atom's home learning platform, Atom Nucleus, is also free for any child on free school meals or pupil premium. The platform is used across 1,400 schools in the UK and 90,000 pupils. Hi Alex, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Atom Learning, tell us exactly what's the genesis of it. So Atom uh, basically started, or well, the idea came about um, uh, when we were, uh, my co-founder and I were basically uh, sort of tutoring to uh, sort of make ends meet after graduating from university. Um, I was sort of um, going through law school at the time and um, basically uh, kind of realized that it would be a relatively brief like foray into the corporate world um, for us. So um, I went in as a trainee solicitor at a, at a US firm and uh, based in London and sort of called up Jake and uh, that's my co-founder and realized, you know, uh, maybe there was an opportunity to continue the uh, sort of side hustle at the weekends. Um, so what we did is we had a lot of, um, unem- I would say, unemployed friends after university who were um fairly you know fairly well educated and we basically decided to put flyers through people's letterboxes in london offering them out as tutors um and that business kind of um started to go relatively well to the point where we were able to um eventually quit our jobs um uh, so i i quit after qualifying as a solicitor on the day i qualified um and i think after that we sort of realized okay there's there's a um a sort of you know this is not necessarily scalable it's not um as a you know it's not particularly viable for most families tuition is typically quite expensive per hour um and we started to think about how we could automate the role of a private tutor by combining sort of high quality content with technology that adapts to the child's level covering the core subjects um and we also noticed a pattern where you know we felt there was a gap in the um 
sort of market as far as edtech's concerned with um, early key stage two and or sorry key stage two in particular um, which seem to be a bit neglected so um, we felt this is a time where parents are particularly involved in their child's education and there weren't really that many or if any good sort of platforms available that parents could sign up to as a kind of viable alternative to tuition that's a lot more cost effective so that's where the idea came from and what do you find parents are looking for in that is it just to support children generally in their learning is it with that eye on yes we want to get them into a into a great school uh, and if so what does that give them um, yeah. it's sort of that sort of value added extra well we have um parents from uh sort of you know their their academic goals vary enormously so i'd say atoms initial traction came from quite sort of i'd say it was it was quite london focused these were parents who were um fairly ambitious for their for their um, child or children looking to uh, sort of looking for platforms that could support in their goal of getting into an excellent independent school or grammar school. Um, but I'd, I'd say since then, and particularly after we added our school platform, which is a separate platform for teachers, um, basically allows teachers to create homework that's automatically marked. And, um, you know, that that's an entirely new question bank, but that really allowed us to scale across the UK and add, um, you know, primary schools nationwide. And I think through that experience, we we met a lot of parents with very uh, different sort of academic goals. So it's not just about kind of senior school entry. We, we really feel passionately about the sort of power of adaptive learning. Um, and we experienced that initially with a kind of focus on 11 plus, but I think since then, it's become clear that you can apply that same um, uh, sort of technology um, and content to, you know, other subjects like science. And um, that's sort of something that the team is particularly kind of passionate about. And so from from what I understand then, so if there was a particular subject area, maybe that you thought your child needed a bit of extra support yeah. with or an extra bit of time, you could kind of do it sort of subject specific, or you could literally do it across the board, I guess, ready for that sort of SATs kind of idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, when a parent signs up um, for their child, they'll have access to learning journeys across English, maths, science and reasoning. Um, and so what what happens is you'll enter a kind of, you know, your learning journey in English, meaning you sort of enter this new world. It's partly gamified, but I would say it's it it is it will feel um, uh, like, you know, this this is a, a tool that's designed to really boost subject mastery. So, um, you know, we notice with some other platforms that children were spending a lot of time kind of changing the 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 color of their avatars hair and not necessarily focusing on the questions. Um, but it's it's adaptive in every way. So every child experiences this kind of personalized um, learning journey. So no two journeys are the same. And the algorithms at a point now where we can predict within 1% the probability a child has of answering the next question correctly. Um, so that, that means that you can start to get to a point where you're offering questions that are going to push the child, but not to a point where it's demotivating. Um, and it's it's a great sort of um, confidence booster. Um, 
And that is, I think that's kind of um, been our um, uh, sort of aha moment in a way that um, this is probably the ultimate way to build up academic confidence over time, regardless of your initial um, ability level. And I think that over time is really important, isn't it? Because I think so often within the school, time is so precious that you know we've covered this now, then we're moving on to the next thing. And that's fine if your child happens to have really got it and understood it. Um, but sometimes you need a little bit more time, a little bit, like I say, personalised learning, a little bit more support, which is fantastic if you can get that within the school. But I think yeah. also, like I say, if you can do that around the outside of kind of, we know you've got the basics and the understanding, but we can give you that extra support to then sort of enhance, like I say, that confidence. And that really is a win-win. A hundred percent. And the other the other part of sort of adding the the school platform that's um, obviously designed for teachers is that you can start to bridge the gap a little bit more between what's going on at school and what's happening at home. So you know, one of the problems with private tuition, if you ask teachers, they you know they they'll typically have quite a strong opinion on the matter. But um, there's a big sort of you know one of the things that that comes up a lot is the disconnect between what's happening at home versus what's happening at school. Um, you know, maybe they're learning something completely different or it's been taught in a different way or um, whatever the issue is. So um, through the, a, a lot of our um, parent subscribers are also, that uh, their children attend schools that are using our school platform. And so you can link your accounts very easily. And that gives teachers a huge amount of insight um you know if 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 a, if a class has uh, answered hundreds of thousands of questions over the summer holidays or something you come in with um a great understanding of strengths and areas for improvement i think that's something our teachers really appreciate and in terms of sort of time commitment's probably not the right way of putting it but in terms of the amount of time children sort of spend doing it is there sort of a set amount or I guess if it's um because of the algorithms you can dip in and out enough and it just adapts to the amount of time that you have we're sort of big believers in little and often so um uh if if you're um because of the gains you can make quite quickly and and the, the algorithm also knows, okay, so that was a topic that you struggled with. So, um, you know, we're probably going to pop this down as an island in a couple of islands time in one of the learning journeys to, to just revise that area again. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, you know, with, in a way, you, you, you take out a lot of the guesswork with a sort of more data-informed approach to, to plugging gaps in knowledge. Um, and that means that you can be much more efficient um, in the way you learn. And so even those schools that are or parents that are, um, you know, very 11 plus orientated, um, it, it means that you you don't need to spend a, a vast amount of time on verbal and nonverbal reasoning to actually familiarize yourself with all of the different question types that might come up. Um, you can actually get back to, to learning more interesting, uh, more interesting things in science and English and math. So um, I think it's just a more efficient way of learning. And that's something that we're always trying to optimize. And you sort of mentioned there that sort of hand in hand between home and school. Is that something which you're seeing is really growing because people can see 
how the two things working together we talk mm. a lot here about community around the child and you know like say it's all those people who were invested whether it's the teacher whether it's the parents whether it's extended family or or even the community at large it, it's bringing all these people together and it seems this is a way of being able to do that in a structured and, and safe environment exactly um i think sort of this this is kind of speaking to our, our flywheel as a business so we we found so basically, as soon as we launched the, the home learning platform, we started getting messages from teachers saying, this is really interesting. We, um, we, we like what you've built here, but could you possibly uh, look at building something for us, the teachers, where we're a bit more in control of what the children do and when? Um, and so that led to us exploring the possibility of a platform for teachers. Um, and what that, and, and kind of, Early on, we realized, okay, this is, um, you know, ed, I think ed tech for schools has has struggled a little bit because schools are not, they're not big businesses. They're not going to be prepared to spend, you know, tens of thousands or even, I mean, we talk to schools that, um, you know, probably don't necessarily have the budget for even a few hundred pounds over the year um, to, to spend on, on a new platform that, um, you know, hasn't necessarily proven itself yet in that, you know, maybe when we're new to that, that part of the, the country or whatever it is. So we decided early on to keep the platform, the school platform free for teachers. Um, and basically the, the, the kind of flywheel is if we can build trust with that school and they get a lot of use out of the platform, then it's a good way for parents to learn about um, Atom. And if they want to do extra in the same way that they might hire a private tutor, they can choose to subscribe to our home learning platform or begin a free trial. Um, and that kind of leads to word of mouth and then other parents whose schools might not be using uh, the school platform sign up to the home platform directly. Their schools find, it, find out about it that way. We onboard the school, more parents join. So it's a flywheel that means schools never spend any money with Atom. Um, and we want to make that, uh, you know, we'll, that will always be the case. Um, and then, you know, the home learning platform is there if there are parents who want to do a bit of extra work as a viable, hopefully school supported, and certainly more cost effective alternative to tuition. Um, so yeah, that's kind of our, our business model there. And, and I love I love the sort of the coalition or, or the correlation rather in terms of like say how you set it up and the sort of what you were trying to achieve and how that sort of developed into the into developing the platform and we should probably talk about the fact that this sounds like a fantastic idea and I come up with all ideas all the time but it's one thing having the idea it's another being able to put that into place and and and, and to talk, talk us through sort of that sort of your technology background your technology understanding how you went about like I say, going from offline to online and actually making that into a business? Yeah, I mean, we had, so uh, I would say uh, our sort of, like Jake has some background in te technology. He can build a website and, um, but it's it's fairly basic. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that. Um, we recognized early on that we would need to bring on a basically a third co-founder. Well, I mean, Jake and I had started the business already, but um, we, we needed to find an excellent chief technology officer or someone who could come in and actually build the thing. Um, and uh, this this was a real struggle. Um, you know, we, we met with a lot of people. And, and 
I think it really is, it's sort of one of those um, places where I think a lot of founders um, get stuck early on is kind of finding this person and then making sure that they feel like uh, a, a co-founder as well. They are, they, they should be your co-founder. They should have a, a, a large stake in the business. Um, and you know, you need to make sure that you've, you've set that up correctly to, to, to attract the best. Um, and, and we were really struggling for a long time. Um, and you know, we, we, we met with one person, it didn't, it didn't quite work out. And I think Jake was complaining to his mum or something when he went home at the weekend and she said, oh, do you remember that guy from school who would come in and he'd, he'd sort of, um, you know, I think. I think uh, Tim, our, our now CTO, I think he like sold his first website when he was like 10 years old or something to the local tennis club, which allowed you to book um, places on tennis courts. So he was this sort of whiz at school. Um, he had a very good job at the time uh, at BAE Systems. And we decided to, so J Jake, initially he was saying, oh, you know, mum, that's never going to work, blah, blah, blah. He then slept on it, uh, woke up and realized his mum was exactly right. And this was the guy we needed. Um, and so we took Tim out for dinner. Um, Tim ordered a steak at the time, which we were very upset about because we didn't have any money. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Tim said, okay, look, I'll join um, as long as you guys can pay me for a year. Um, and then sort of, you know, the company... We were very lucky early on. I mean, we, you know, we, as soon as we launched the platform, we, we started to get some traction and that, that actually allowed us to, to bootstrap it for the first three and a bit years. So we didn't raise any money. We were able to sort of remain profitable. And I think a large part of that was just having an excellent, um, uh, you know, uh, CTO who is, you know, I, I, I don't know much about technology at all, but I, I think it's clear that he is, um, uh, you know, the let, let's put it this way: when he goes, he went on a skiing holiday the other day, and we were both like, you know, you know, uh, Tim, let's just make sure that you you wear your helmet all of the time. Like this is probably the most indispensable person <laughs> in the company, much more so than Jake and me. <laughs> <laughs> and that really is key, isn't it? And I think it, it brings up a, a really interesting point in terms of, like, say, finding the right people for the certain roles. You know, and it's the personality, it's the right fit, it's the right person at the right time. And I think that's true. Well across the world but certainly in terms of education it's it's just sometimes it takes a little bit of a um a bit of a journey to get there but when it does like you say it is then just a question of of sort of jumping in with both feet and then sort of yep. you get the option to fly yeah a hundred percent um and i, I think th through the um the the first sort of much much smaller um tutoring business we we also met some some talented um, you know, young, ambitious people who we felt would be um, great additions to the company as well. So Flo Simpson, who's our, um, now she's our chief operating officer. She was just tutoring for us at the time. Um, and uh, and we invited her into the company and she's also been a complete game changer. There are, there are these sort of tra trajectory changing people um, who you bring on from time to time and, um, uh, you know, who are just prepared to go the extra mile. And, um, uh, you know, I think that if, if you can, if you can get to a point where every major manager in your business, like head of sales, head of marketing, head of product, are these sort of trajectory changing people, you're in such a strong position, even if you have quite early product market fit. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of like, so you talked about 
it sort of being gamified in some way, but also, you know, having that that sort of content led idea of really supporting the children. How did you sort of start to grow that content? I can imagine sort of sitting down with a piece of paper, it's like question one, <laughs> and then yeah. then how many things you're going to need in order to cover all those areas that you talked about. So take us a little bit on that journey. Yeah, I think this is, we really over-indexed on the, um, quality of the product and the quality of our content early on. So um, it was a longer journey because we wanted to build um, uh, questions that, um, you know, we, well, so we noticed um, with some of the early platforms that they were basically changing a word or number within a sentence and just retesting that way. So children were essentially pattern spotting and and, and maybe improving their their results on the platform without actually achieving genuine understanding of the topic. So the first thing, you know, we decided is that we're going to write um, tens of thousands of individually designed questions that cover the full key stage two curriculum. I mean, now that's that's pushing into probably early six figures in terms of the, the number of questions on the, uh, on the platform. Um, but yeah, as you say, early on, that was us in a room writing out questions on Excel spreadsheets with explanations, and then someone else would be recording a video on top of a desk um, in a light box or something. Um, it was all just completely makeshift. Um, but even, even in those early days, we were careful to create um, content that, uh, that, that, that was you know, hopefully setting a new standard in terms of online learning platforms at Key Stage 2. Um, but since then, you know, talking of sort of um, these trajectory changing employees, we hired Anna Masterson, who's now our chief learning officer. Um, she manages a large content team and we've written uh, or we've, we've put together an entirely separate platform that helps us to create really high quality content quite um, fairly quickly. Um, so, you know, in our, like on Atom, it's, it's a different sort of type of learning experience. You're given, um, bespoke explanations after every question, there are help sheets that will come up at the right difficulty level for you. Or if you prefer watching a video, there are short videos available. And so per sub subtopic across all of the core subjects, we'll have multiple videos and the algorithm will know what level of video you should see. Um, and so it just, it, it's. It's kind of a never-ending process that that um, perfecting our content, but it is something that you know we focus much more on that side than we did sales and marketing early on, and I think that has ultimately paid off. Yeah, because I guess as the technology and the platform develops, you have the heart of what's important, which is the content and the way you want to to teach it and for it to be to be learned. So, I guess that can develop fairly fairly easily. He says in inverted commas. I know nothing's quite that simple as you do it. Um, I, I'm I'm interested in terms of of when you sort of put that together. Like I say, when you're bringing on sort of the technology specialists who can help you. How much of it then gets taken just by the technology and the AI, and how much of it is you sitting down saying, almost like that sort of wireframe of we this is how we want it to work, and these are the sorts of things we want to do based on this situation and that situation. I'm always quite interested in terms of the the human approach to what you're trying to achieve, and then the sort of the technology doing its own thing as well. Yeah, well, it's interesting you should say that because I think we. We have noticed that um, 
this this kind of te technology and content combined is um uh you know it's it's an unbelievably powerful tool for um for the, for the sort of motivated independent learners um and of course not every child and i would um i would say probably not uh, most uh, most children are not uh, do not fall into that category um so sometimes um uh i think even on platforms like this there's a lot to be said for adding in um, a kind of social aspect to um, the, the platform experience, meaning um, in, in a way that is, I mean, we, we built Atom to um, really combat the, uh, or to, to give parents a genuine alternative to tuition. But I think sometimes for, for certain children, um, having access to, um, at, at someone who is trained uh, on Atom and who can help your child get the most out of the platform is, you know, is 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 going to be useful. Um, but I think because it's much more of a data informed approach, this doesn't need to be excessive. So, um, you know, like when when we were when I was when I was tutoring um, during law school, you know, there were lots of parents that I worked for that were like. I want lessons, you know, three or four times a week or whatever. And we just see that as wholly unnecessary with, with Atom. We're going to remain platform first, but I definitely think um, uh, the, the, the social aspect is, is a powerful one. And it's one of those really difficult questions that technology companies have to think quite carefully about to get the balance right. Hope that answers your question. Maybe it went all right. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. And I, I think it is that, sense of like you say you the the technology is so powerful that it gives you as much as you possibly can sort of prescribe the, the right thing at, at the right time and um and, and i guess that get, takes us back to that community idea because you know the child isn't left alone to completely do this whole thing on their own you know mm -hmm. like say they might it might be linked to the teachers it might be certainly the parents are going to be involved in those conversations and so i, I think that's the thing when you these sort of platforms enable you to have a specific answer to something which is incredibly important, but it's then supported by everything else that's go that's going on around it. And I think that's sometimes when people come to to a website or to something they don't know, they think, "Oh, this is the answer to my problem." And then, actually, it's much more a tool and a way of supporting the the overall learning experience. And I think I think that mindset probably is is the key thing to make it as successful as possible. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd agree with that. So I'm always curious when people have, have got involved in education in whichever way that there's usually a teacher or, or an education experience or something which is, is something they remember in in a way that sometimes gets brought into to what you've created and what you're learning now. So I'm just curious, is there a teacher or a situation that, that you remember and why was that? I, I had a quite an unusual um, sort of, uh, uh, well, not 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 that unusual, but I, but I've, I feel like I've I haven't necessarily, or I didn't remain in any particular bubble during my um, education. So I was at like a, a primary school to, to begin with in the middle of nowhere, um, where there were like two or three year groups um, in a class. And, you know, it was, I would say, um, we definitely learned to sing a lot of songs, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily uh, the most academic primary school. Um, and then um, 
after that, I went to like a, a, a private day school in, in, in a, a city in the West country. Um, and, and then it eventually ended up at, at, at boarding school for sick form. So I feel like, I, I don't know, I'm, I've obviously had this fairly sheltered experience, but I've definitely met, um, people from all different, uh, sort of backgrounds, I think during that time. Um, and that's quite different to some of the, ch- you know, some of the children or a lot of the children, I think just stay as like prep school, independent school or primary, secondary or primary grammar or whatever. It's, it's a little, uh, it's, it's maybe a little less varied. Um, so I met all sorts of teachers with different, um, uh, kind of ideas on, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I think, um, there are just those moments where a teacher will step in and um, give you some advice and maybe they don't necessarily think this is going to have a big impact, but it really changes everything about your life. Um, and so, you know, I was not um, like when I was in sick form, I wasn't invited to the Oxbridge talks or anything like that. Um, the school wasn't particularly academic. Um, but I do remember, you know, getting my A-level results and I'd never thought about Oxbridge or anything like that at all. Um, and I remember a biology teacher who didn't even teach me. He just, we just used to talk occasionally. He was like, you should apply to, to, to Oxford. And I think that, um, you know, that, that obviously changed my life massively. Um, I had not considered it at all before that time. And, um, I think the experience there and a lot of the cheaters that I met there, it just could have sort of added a new level of like, oh, this is what ex- kind of excellence looks like. Um, you know, no one worked particularly hard at my, uh, at, at where I went to school for sick form. Um, and s- suddenly kind of having people who, you know, really needing to up your game and actually like study hard. This was like a whole new experience for me. And, um, yeah, that, that teacher, you know, he probably doesn't know it, but he, he definitely changed, ch- changed my life. I would say for the better. And the thing I love about that, and I hear it occasionally, it's that when it's not a teacher that, that you like say you has been your subject or, or anything like that, but just someone that's a casual conversation or someone that you happen to have a rapport with enough to sort of like say, just opens a door. They, yeah. they know you well enough just to kind of point you in a direction the odd comment yeah like say they often maybe don't know what an impact they're having but it's really key that every interaction every kind of sense of i want to talk to this person for whatever reason is there for is there for a reason and like say can change someone's life a hundred percent and there there are other teachers that are just so exceptional that you you sort of um realize that actually you're you're sort of capable of more which you didn't realize beforehand um if you're not um, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, necessarily, um, like I said, I, I wasn't invited to the Oxbridge talks or anything like that. Um, those, those kind of preparation sessions. Um, but I remember my English teacher was just, he was such a good teacher that, um, you know, he, he just kind of, um, inspired you to sort of think at a new level. And then you're like, oh, I, I can do this. And suddenly that starts getting reflected in your, um, you know, your homework and then eventually your A-levels or whatever that is. And yeah, so um, shout out to Dr. Downs, who was um, an absolutely, um, you know, enormously influential teacher for me uh, in terms of just realizing that I could, you know, 
push myself that bit further. Yeah, and those expectations only come from knowledge and understanding and in, and uh, an understanding of what's possible, don't you? Like say, there's a big world out there and you know what you know based on your surroundings and it's only when people extend those that you can sort of see another path or another option or, or even just like say, just a, a way of considering something which may not have been in your awareness before. 100%. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given or, or maybe you could frame it in a way of a piece of advice you give your your younger self sort of looking back as a as a younger Alex yeah I think um sort of school can be um uh, you know a difficult time for a lot of a lot of children um particularly during sort of teenage years and I I would say I I had uh you know I I kind of was able to adapt and in, and sort of uh ensure you know eventually kind of enjoy the the those sort of teenage years through school but it wasn't I wasn't if I think back I wasn't necessarily being myself I was trying to fit in and I think um you know I would I would go back and say um you know the things that you're worried about now the things that um, are maybe making you feel insecure or whatever those are probably going to end up being some of your strongest um uh kind of character traits later on that are really going to help to separate you and, and help you to do something different um and i think you know that there's probably not enough people saying that to um you know ch children like me at that age who are worried about just fitting in um so yeah i, I that that would be my my main piece of advice to, to worry less about the insecurities and actually see them as um possibly these like things that can turn out to be kind of superpowers later on yeah i love that and i think that sort of sense of finding your tribe is is really important isn't it because it depends on where you are like you say if you happen to be in a small primary school which um has um limited number of people and a, and a limited sort of outlet depending on what you're interested in then you may or may not actually feel like Oh, this is wholly where I am. It's where you know, and it's what you do. And then, like I say, secondary school makes a big difference usually because there's more people and there's there's more outlet. Maybe there's more sport or more arts or 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 whatever clubs it happens to be. And you kind of think, oh, I kind of like this rather than that. And I'm not quite sure why. And you're sort of developing again. And then once you sort of leave school, whether it's university or work, you suddenly realise that you can start to pick and choose much more. And I think while there's a development in that and there's a journey within that as we're all growing up and finding a way i think just having that understanding that you're not going to fit in with everybody you're not going to necessarily um want to be part of this particular experience but you might want to be another one you just don't know what that is yet and i think that's quite hard like say when you're a teenager especially when you're sort of finding your way you're expecting oh it must be like this because this is what i can see and actually it doesn't quite work out <laughs> maybe that's just part of life but i think I think partly it's that kind of if you never hear these things then you never know that's the case and there's something about like you say in order to sort of let that go in so many ways you need to understand that that's an option <laughs> rather than it just has to look a certain way yeah i absolutely agree with that yeah is there a resource which has had an impact on your life and this could be sort of professional or personal but it could be a podcast a book a film song anything which you can you can remember that you'd like to share so i'm i i read quite a lot and I listen to to different to, to lots of different podcasts uh, including this one um, and I try to just um, you know these can be on all sorts of topics so the, the sort of balance between best business practice and trying to build an edtech platform that is um, 
you know, not, um, I think it's, it's a very, it's a very delicate balance. Um, it's not like we're some B2B SaaS business. Like these are, um, parents and th this is, you know, teachers and you don't want to encroach on what they're doing or mess up any of the good work that they're doing. You want to just try to add to that and, and try to introduce technology that you know can have a positive impact and then ensure that that's available to as, as many people as possible. Um, so, so by reading kind of quite broadly, um, hopefully you can do a better job at sort of educating yourself on these things. Um, so I'll, you know, the best, I think in terms of business books, um, uh, I, I read a book recently by Mark Roberge, who's the, um, uh, he was one of the early salespeople at HubSpot. And for anyone looking to start a sort of education business or any business for that matter, um, you know, sales matters early on, right? You don't want to, um, especially in today's world, like you need to be generating revenue to stay in business. Um, hopefully you want, to, you want to be profitable pretty quickly. Um, and he has a book called The Sales Acceleration Formula, which was probably the best um, kind of one of the most influential books that, that, I, that I've read. Um, I think in terms of life in general, I read um, a book called um, When Breath Becomes Air, which is um, pretty, pretty, you know, it's, it's a little, it's, it's quite a sad story, but it's, it's, um, it kind of just helps to put things in perspective, which is basically a, a doctor, a junior doctor, who's, um, uh, you know, this kind of real high flyer who's suddenly diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I think that, that had a huge, you know, impact on making me realize what's kind of important in life, especially as, um, uh, you know, a, a co-founder of this company where, um, you are, um, basically like it's pretty much, you know, seven days a week. And sometimes you can forget about the people that are sort of, um, you know, who, who've sort of allowed you to, 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 to be in that position. And, and it's important just not to forget about them. Um, the people who sort of put up with, with you. Um, so that was quite influential. Um, podcasts, I just listen to all sorts. Um, I do find the, the business ones quite, quite helpful. Um, I've just sort of got a weird nerdy interest in um, that kind of thing. So I listen to, to all sorts of podcasts. I probably won't um, bore you with all of them. <laughs> I love that. And I, and I think what you sort of demonstrated there is that sort of from, from the business side to the live side that, you know, it's all important. And, and I think, you know, you, you put time into what you're passionate about. There's um, we sort of talk about this sort of work life balance, but I think it is much more work life harmony. You know, when you're setting up something new, it's going to be hours that you yep. need to put in. It is going to be time. It needs to be focused, which enables you then to kind of morph as your life gets older and the company gets older and that kind of thing. But like I say, at the same time, I think that works absolutely fine as long as you know the reality of what it is that you're doing. And like you say, you understand that that may change it sometimes or this day I'm definitely not going to be doing that because this relationship is more important or whatever it happens to be. And I think those they work hand in hand, even if they have slightly different weighted scales at any given time in your life. But yeah, um, understanding and knowledge is key, I think, which is yes. sort of getting an abundance there. It's definitely something that you just mature on over, or you, you just get like early on in the business, the, you know, there was, it, you, I, we started Atom in our sort of mid to late 20s. So you are still, um, you know, relatively 
immature at that point. Maybe you think you know everything, but you definitely don't. Um, and you can just get sucked into this whole thing. Think the whole that you know that this is the only thing that matters in the world, and that is not not the case. So um, you know, I think it's just one of those things that you learn over time. Um, and yeah, very important to to not forget about the sort of you know the family at home kind of putting up with all of this and, and making sure that um, uh, you know you're 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 putting in enough time with them as well. And I think you're absolutely right on the work life harmony or integration, as I sometimes call it. I think that came from Jeff Bezos, who or he said something similar to that, and I def- that definitely resonates a lot. Yeah, and 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 I think it's interesting within educators sometimes that you know we put so much time and effort into supporting other people's children that you want to make sure that you're doing it so they have the best possible outcomes and the best experience in their education, in their learning, in their life. But the most important people are the people that are around you. So you don't want to be doing it to the detriment of your own children because, of course, you're hoping that everyone's supporting them and you're the you're, you're the key factor in that. So, yeah, I sort of love that sort of correlation with everything as it goes, as it goes round and round. Yeah. And just as we finish off, um, the acronym FIRE is obviously important here at Education on Fire. And by that, I mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What strikes you when, when you hear those words? Is there any particular one that sort of springs to mind? Um, I think they're all uh, extremely important. And I think most companies should um, be, you know, should have values that are the same or very similar to those. Um, feedbacks um, been massively important at Atom. Uh, we sort of as the company scaled, like once we were over, you know, beyond about fifty people. We're, we're now about over one hundred and fifty people, but at, at sort of fifty, um, it's not like you're just all in the same room. Um, uh, uh, and and I, I think you can get sort of carried away in your work and what you're doing and it's just very important to take the time we we say at least twice a year to 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 do our sort of 360 reviews and to understand where you can improve um we've kind of copied the netflix culture of freedom and responsibility and i think there's a fair you know feedback is one of their key um sort of one of the key things that that they've um really over indexed on um, so that's important, but yeah, resilience has been, you know, there are not, I think if ed, ed tech in the UK is hard, we haven't seen, um, there, there are one or two examples of companies that have done well in the space, but I think broadly, um, you know, there are tons of people trying, um, but we, but I, but I think to be successful in the space, you, you have to be resilient. You need to expand the feedback loop beyond just people in your company. So you need to be talking to teachers. You need to be listening to parents from right across the country. Um, and But you've got to have a, a big dollop of resilience as well because there are going to be hurdles. You are constantly balancing what parents sort of want against what teachers feel comfortable with. And you then need to find that middle ground that's going to make everyone feel happy with what's going on and also give this technology the best chance possible. Because I do believe, you know, if you sort of 
if you look at with, with technology, it, you, you can, to, to some extent, um, really begin to, to, to level the playing field in, in a meaningful way. Like you can just give this technology to children who are on preschool meals or whatever it is. That's, and that's not always possible where you've got a cheater to pay. So there's a huge amount of scope for good, but feedback and resilience is going to be critical um, throughout. But I think all of those, all of those points are, are important. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. And, and I love the way you pulled out the reasons why as well, because I think that's great for people to hear because they are all personal, I think, to your circumstances and also can change on, on a timescale as well, because let's like, say feedback might be really important today because of something that's happened, whereas it might have been empowerment or resilience on, on another day based on all those things. Like I say, it depends on how far you sit back and look, and look at it in the whole. But I love the way you sort of peeled that into, into your experience and, and what you've been doing. So fantastic. Alex, thank you so much for sharing all those insights and, and wisdom. And as I often say here, it's because... It's because I like sharing the stories. It's because I want to sort of you know hear hear the voice and and and, and the person behind you know like say the platform website and and all those things. And I think from what you said in terms of your conversations with parents and teachers and and what you're trying to develop there, I think it's a, a really key thing. So yeah, thanks so much for being here. And do tell people where they can they can find out much more information about it. Yeah, sure. So I mean, we're we're hiring uh, all of the time. So if you go to atomlearning.co.uk/careers, you can find um, various job opportunities there we're hiring kind of across the board um if you want to contact me personally um my i'm on linkedin and you can just send me a message directly um uh yeah i think we're we're um you know always interested to hear from teachers in particular um so if anyone's interested in learning more about the technology uh do let me know um but yeah thank you so much for the opportunity mark um yeah big big fan of what you're doing as well so um thanks fantastic thank you so much thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes i've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.